We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Indiana Pacers. Reggie from the wing. to the big fella, fake shoots, and hits! He 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 hits! What is going on? Pacer Nation, make some noise because the Pacers play tomorrow. You're listening to Setting the Pace, episode number 18 here. This is the third time we've had to restart this one time. My fault. And the last five minutes we wasted trying to get Fachi unfrozen on Skype. But Fachi is on the phone now because his Skype and his Windows 1995 computer uh, are just not ready for this heavy technology. So, so Fachi, how's the phone lines? <laughs> Hey, the mid-90s are a great time to pace of basketball, but the comeback kid is here. You just can't keep him away. I am here to talk pace of basketball because the one-week drought is just about done. Tomorrow is the day we retake the court against the Pelicans. And joining us, as always, is the coach and the insider, Tyler Smith, Mr. Backstreet Boy himself. Tyler, what's going on? <laughs> hey, it's good to be back. Uh, I'm, I'm tired of waiting for these games. Let's get it going. All right, so tomorrow we have the New Orleans Pelicans at Bankers Life Fieldhouse to restart this last third of the NBA season. Tyler, Anthony Davis will play tomorrow night. We don't know if he'll have any minute restrictions. Um, it's still kind of an interesting situation with the Pelicans, but what does this mean having Anthony Davis suit up against the Pacers? Well, it definitely changes things, and you know it's kind of one of those situations where you don't know what to expect. I mean, 
you remember last time when the Pacers destroyed Los Angeles and then they go and, and win at Boston. It's like when there's a situation that you're not really sure how it's going to turn out, you have no idea what to expect on the court. But obviously he's a problem on both ends of the court, and uh, it's not going to be an easy win. Pacers are going to have to really uh, work for it to get that W. Fachi? Man, last time, if you guys remember, without Anthony Davis, back in early February, it was a nail-biter. Came down essentially a very clutch shot by Darren Collison and just basically getting out by the skin on our teeth. So the fact that uh, Anthony Davis is playing, it, it doesn't make you feel good, but you think that you know this, this time off for the Pacers and being at home, I, I feel good about beating the Pelicans, but it's for sure no easy task. I think the guys are ready to come back, too, from this break. Bojan Bogdanovic had a nice quote where he said the guys needed their rest and they needed to kind of get away from each other just to rejuvenate them for this last stretch run of the season. And looking at the schedule, February, you know, they have a good chance to finish this month strong. They play Friday night uh, against the Pelicans, like we mentioned, and they go to Saturday to Washington. Hopefully they can get some revenge there because that last time they played there it was pretty pathetic. Then they go on the road for two more games after that, playing the Pistons Monday night, the Mavericks Wednesday, and then they return home Thursday to play the Timberwolves uh, to close out the month of February. So, Tyler, five games right there. Um, those five games are going to be pivotal, especially looking at their schedule in March. So how how important is it to go 4-1 and one or 5-0 and oh in these next five games? Well, it's extremely important. I mean, I would go as far as to say the the season is on the line in the next seven games. I mean, as far as seeding goes. I mean, you're talking, you know, all the Pacers fans know about the brutal stretch that starts March 7th. So you mentioned those five games to end this month and the first two games um, after that, I think, Minnesota or Chicago or, or Dallas, one of those. Um, or, and uh, I think I was looking at some of the records in these teams, like New Orleans four and six in the last ten, Wizards three and seven, um, Minnesota four and six, Chicago three and seven. They've got to find a way um, to win these games and go at least five and two. Really, you're looking at wanting to go six and one because of how brutal that stretch is starting March seventh. Yeah, and Fachi, you know they got the Magic and the Bulls uh, at home to start the month of March before they head out on the road and have that brutal schedule against all those playoff teams. So. Um, just your thoughts on the upcoming seven games. Well, we forgot to mention one thing, because this Saturday, the 16th man himself will be in the building. I will be in Washington, D.C. for that Pacer <laughs> and uh, Washington Wizards game, so I will make sure that I'm doing my part. But yeah, just Pacers, like you did last time, right? <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. They also have to do their part, because I happen to have been at the game where they only scored 89 points, lowest on the season, so... That was a disaster. Hope they, they can rebound from that performance because, as Tyler mentioned, this upcoming schedule, we, we have to play good basketball. March is looking like the month of hell uh, in terms of seeding. So to be able to play seven uh, sub-500 teams off the bat, you got to be able to capitalize. Going at least 6-1 and one has to be that what we're looking at. It, it, it has to. So I see a lot of opportunity right now. Teams like Detroit just – aren't playing too well at Dallas. You really don't know what they're going to be. They're in that crossroads of, you know, they're not going to have a pick, but they also have a lot of new faces over there to make a playoff push. You know, you just never really know. But there's also a lot of teams like Orlando. They're playing great basketball right now. Are they still going to be playing great basketball 10 days from now? I don't know. But there's a lot of opportunity here, and if the Pacers want to solidify home court, at least the third or fourth seed, it starts with this stretch right now. Well, let me ask you guys this. What is the ideal situation for the Pacers? Is it to get the third seed, 
or would you be okay with the four seed? I know that um, there's a lot of good teams right now in the top six. I mean, Brooklyn's playing probably some of the best basketball out of anybody. And I don't know why, but a 3-6 matchup with them, while it might not be as scary as a Philly or Boston, it still makes me a little worried. And I don't know if I'd rather lose to Brooklyn or <laughs> lose to Boston if I were going to lose in a series. So, uh, Tyler, I'll let you take that one. I say 100% bring the Nets on. I know they're playing well <laughs> right now, but, I mean, if the Pacers want a legit chance, they definitely need to be have a home court in the first round. But they really, I think, want that three seed. Um, I was looking at some of the numbers today. You know, the Pacers have done well without Oladipo, but it's mainly been at home. Uh, they are nine and three at home with Oladipo out, uh, compared to five and six on the road. And so that's going to be a key if they want to make some noise in the playoffs, um, get a top four seed. It's going to be tough, but I, I think I'd really prefer the three to play Brooklyn. I want Brooklyn all day. I, I know that they've played some great basketball. They are way ahead of the course in terms of rebuilding. But who has more consolation, pat on the back, first-round exits than the Indiana Pacers? I mean, it seems like you can take LeBron to seven games. You know, you can even even the closest sweep of all time a couple of years ago, losing the whole series by 16 combined points. I, I don't want any more pat on the back. You guys played well in the first round. I want to win and get out of the first round. And Brooklyn is the only team that we actually have an opportunity to do that against in my mind. Playing Boston or Philly in the first round, terrifying. I'm out on that. Yeah, I'm with you. Just playing a little devil's advocate because that's what I have to do as the host. I can't be uh, the one choosing sides to start it out because that would not be fun. But I, I do want to talk about Boston and Philadelphia's schedule. I haven't really looked too deep into it, but um, you know these two teams are playing pretty well right now, and they're ready. I'm sure those the break was just mm-hmm. as beneficial for them as it was for us. So I'm sure these guys are ready to mentally come back. And the only team I'm really worried about is Boston. Just for the just for the sake of all these guys are going to be involved in trade rumors this summer. How does that mentally affect them? Are they going to try to are they getting tired of Kyrie Irving going on national TV saying that hey, I've got to be a better leader, these young guys this, these young guys that. I mean, what is the chemistry like? We said it last week, Marcus Morris, not happy with the way things have gone this year. It's just, it feels like there's something going on there with Boston. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but um, that's a team I think that we can probably separate ourselves from the most, but if they flip the switch, I mean, we're in trouble. That March schedule is so brutal, Tyler. Yeah, this is the time of year when we're going to find out. I mean, this is uh, there's been previous seasons, even some of LeBron teams, where people speculated some issues. And then at this stretch of the season, the final third is when they kind of took off. So I'm expecting Boston to play well. Um, they do have a tougher schedule at the beginning before it um, gets a little easier. I think they play, uh, they play Milwaukee. Um, who else did I see on here? They play uh, Toronto. They also have a West Coast road trip coming up. So Pacers really want to separate themselves before that stretch comes up. The other side of it, though, Philadelphia, I think Joel Embiid's going to be out for at least a week. Um, it's what I heard, and he's going to um, be reevaluated after that. So that's something to look at. They've played their probably toughest, well, by far their toughest stretch, and they've survived it. They've been a little over 500 playing these tough games. Um, that win at Golden State was pretty big for them. So. Um, yeah, I would agree. Boston's probably a little scarier, um, but they have, a, would say, a little bit harder schedule than, than Philly the rest of the way, and, and all three teams are pretty similar in terms of home and away splits. Yeah, Fox, yeah, what are your I, thoughts? I've, I've taken a look at both schedules. Um, that Philly schedule is very light 
they only have 10 games remaining against teams above 500, and six out of those 10 games are actually in Philly. So, oh, yeah. Philly's still here, great home team, 23-7, compared to just 14-14 on the road. So, if you're going to play Philly in the first round, you have to have uh, home court advantage. Otherwise, there's it's honestly going to be a very, very tall task. In terms of Boston, I think that internally, that's where all their problems are. I think it's just, you wonder, we've seen it in the past, as Tyler mentioned, with LeBron James squads, but Boston doesn't have a LeBron to just will them out of all of this. So it's going to be really interesting because all of us are standing there waiting for Boston to be the team that we thought they were going to be when they lost in seven games last year uh, to, to LeBron. So it's going to be really interesting. You know, they still have some very hard opponents coming up. Uh, Tyler mentioned a few of them, but they're also playing Golden State. Uh, the Nuggets, uh, so Philly as well. But if you're going to go for that third or fourth seed, we're going to need everything that we can get. Being one game up on both of these teams, it's going to prove to be pretty big. But you also have to win a series against one of these in the regular season. If it comes down to it, which right now we're not leading either series. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think the big factor to key in on is we still play Boston twice this year. Yep towards the end of the season, it's going to probably decide just about everything. The, the three to the five seed is probably going to be decided within those two games. So, I, we hope so. We hope so. Mm-hmm. Well, but, we do. but if you're looking at Boston's schedule here, I've got it up there. They're at the Bucks tonight on TNT, so I'm sure if you guys are listening to this, that game's already happened. Then they go on the road, play the Bulls. Then they're on the road again for the Raptors, come back home to play the Trailblazers. Then they, they've got the Wizards, which that should be a winnable game. They're at home against the Rockets, on the road against the Warriors. They go on a West Coast road trip here. They are, they're at the Kings, at the Lakers, at the Clippers, come home, play the Kings again. And those are all teams fighting for that <clears throat> those final two spots in the Western Conference. So those will be no you know easy games. And they have a nice easy game against the Hawks at home. Then they go at home again, play the Nuggets. Um, at the 76ers will be a good game. At the Hornets. I'm not too worried about that. Uh, Spurs at at Boston, and then they play Cleveland, then they play us, and they play the Nets. I mean, they've got a lot of playoff teams that they're going up against. There's a couple games sprinkled in there, but I would say probably close to the same amount of games that the Pacers have against teams that aren't in the playoffs. So I think Boston is a, is a potential 4-5 candidate. And one thing I, I want to ask you guys this, if you guys fear Toronto more than Milwaukee, would you rather be in that four or five series so you could play Milwaukee in the second round if you're Indy and or Boston instead of having to play Toronto in the second round? Because that's one thing to look at as well. And seeding is what it is. I mean, you want the, the home court advantage in a series, but I doubt that anybody's going to catch Toronto or Milwaukee in the one, two. So Tyler, um, where would you, who would you rather play in the second round? That's tough. I mean, I was looking at their um, their schedules and their splits as well. They're very similar with home and away, both amazing teams at home. Um, it just kind of goes with who's going to match up well. Um, Toronto is just a game back, so you can't really can't really plan and play for a seed not knowing which one's going to be one or two at that point. Um, but I don't know. I'd have to I'd have to have to ask uh, each team in their uh, specific matchups on that one. That's a, that's a good point, Fachi. Alex, I thought that was a great point that you made because if you want to really map out everything for our best chance at making a large run, then I guess I'd rather be the four seed if Milwaukee gets the first seed because if we can pull an upset 
over Boston. I think that we match up better against Milwaukee. I, I don't know. It, it just I, there's certain times where I just think Toronto. I really feel that, that they're about to really take off. So if I did have a choice, sure, if we could, you know, catch Boston while they're they're fighting with each other. But I mean, to, you can't pass up a matchup against the Nets in the first round. Just those players, they really just have not been there. Now is the time to, to you know, give them a, a, a quick quick whooping and say, hey, you'll be here in the future, but it's not going to be this year. So I guess the perfect scenario is Milwaukee falls into the two seed, we stay at the three seed and play Brooklyn as a six seed, or Philadelphia loses ten games in a row, which would be fantastic. They drop down to the six seed and Brooklyn comes up to the five. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Now you're talking. Now I'm talking, right? I mean, nothing would make me happier than to see Philadelphia lose like ten of twelve. I that is the most annoying team in this Eastern Conference. I do not like the Sixers whatsoever. Um, I, I'm I'm fine with Toronto and Milwaukee. I really don't dislike those teams. Um, I, I like Bucks fans getting into it with Pacer fans about Thaddeus Young guarding Giannis. That's just all fun and games. Uh, Toronto, I mean, yeah, they've had our number, but I'm not like overly afraid of them. I think they're good, and I think they would beat us. Sure, I mean, but but still, I mean, that's not something that makes me worried, but. Philadelphia fans, number one, are the absolute worst. Them and Boston fans are pretty insane, but I think Philly fans are worse. And I, I just, I just don't want to see them on a playoff series. And seeing them lose makes me happy. Uh, who, who out of those four fan bases do you dislike the most, Tyler? Ooh, that's tough. Um, it's close. I mean, you got the leader in Bill Simmons with Boston too. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe just because of the my disdain for the the Patriots, I'd have to go. <laughs> yeah, that's but I tell you, point. I love. I've, I've I went to Boston twice in the last year, and it's a great city. But man, maybe I'll go that way just because the Patriots. <laughs> Fachi, what about you? I gotta lean towards Philly fans. I, I think they are the worst. They always have something to say, always, and most of the time, it's never something positive. So. Philly fans, ugh, and then Boston fans. Boston fans, at least, at least they do win. You know that that's that's the knock. We it's hard to even say something back because they keep winning championships. Philly, yeah. before that full as they got the other year, it was like, well, what have you won? When was the last time you won? So, mm. Philly, then Boston for me. Well, I really am hoping that uh, Bryce Harper does not sign with the Phillies just to crush the hearts of Philly fans. Uh, I, I've been trolling one of our guys for the up and under. It's a big Phillies fan, and he every day is every day is tweeting about Bryce Harper. So, I put a fake tweet out there, and I said, "This is huge news about Bryce Harper," and then didn't write anything. <laughs> and I've got, <laughs> I've got people in my DMs like, "What's the news? What's the news?" And I'm just like, "Yeah, I'm just trolling this guy," and they're like, "That is hilarious." But uh, yeah, anyway, enough about the MLB. So, Tyler, I want to get to know a little bit more about this story you wrote. I actually read the entire thing today; thought it was awesome. But this is your story, so I want you to kind of explain the story and who this great fan is yeah well i always like to highlight you know big fans super fans um and i kept noticing when i would leave uh, banker's life after home games um there's a garage where right on delaware street right where the uh, players the tunnel comes out and uh, media parks in the uh, in the garage there and i kept noticing this fan that was out there and he kept you know, this was hours after the game, at least an hour and a half or two hours after every game. Sometimes it'd be negative 10 degrees out and he would be out there every time. Um, and he, he would, uh, he would, you know, wave to the players, tell them good game. And then I started to go over there and talk to him and come to find out he's got a great story. Um, goes by the name Whitfield. That's his last name. 
And uh, he just told me he's been a fan a long time. He does not have season tickets, but he buys them. And wow. he said it's you know it's, it's kind of tough to to afford it, but he's like these guys need my support. Um, and he said you know win or lose, I don't care if it rains or snows or sleets or whatever, I'm going to be out here. And he's actually inviting. He's, he's challenging more fans to join him. Um, you know, some people may say or they may question, is this like a a crazed fan that wants to see the players? But that's not like that at all for him. He he really wants to. Um, genuinely say, you know, good game to the guys. And while I was talking to him, Nate McMillan was leaving, um, leaving Banker's life and rolled down his window, talked to him for a few minutes. You could tell they've, they've talked many times before, gave him a fist bump. You know, it was a really cool thing, but we just like to highlight, you know, occasionally the, the loyal fans, and he's definitely one of them. That's, that's a fantastic story. I loved what I read. I loved how the players interact with him, Sabonis waved at him, you know, guys were fist bumping him. That's just fantastic. I remember as a kid begging my dad to watch the players come out of the tunnel with their cars, just see what they drove. I mean, because, you know, athletes always have the best cars, and so that was one of my favorite things. And I remember we talked to David Harrison when you were coaching, and I remember getting an autograph from David Harrison because he didn't have a car. He was actually going to be riding the bus or, you know, getting a taxi. He came up the ramp and started signing autographs for fans that were waiting out there. So it kind of put me in that moment of like, man, I, I remember doing what Whitfield did, waving to the players when I was younger, like 10, 11, 12 years old. And to hear that he does that after every single game, not a season ticket holder, that is yeah. a fantastic story. Um, that just makes you realize how awesome Pacer fans can be and why we are one of the best organizations out there for fans. And, you know, Fachi, i got to give it to you. Living in Washington, spending probably more money than you would for a Pacer game to go watch him play in that dump of an arena in Washington. So, so, I mean, Uh, what were your thoughts on this story, man? This is what it's all about. Hearing those stories, because I could say firsthand, you know, the Pacers are, in my mind, maybe I'm biased, they give back to their fans. I mean, I have been very fortunate on numerous occasions to be able to meet some of the Pacers. Victor Oladipo signed my jersey last year. You know, uh, Miles Turner signed my jersey. I, I freaked him out. I told him I loved him. You know, maybe I took him a little too far. But it was just the whole thing of you see these guys that you look up to and you spend so much time, you know, watching them, rooting for them. That when you give back, it really does mean the world. So, Tyler, I thought that was an awesome story, especially hearing that. Nate McMillan gave him the time to really just chat. I mean, it makes it all worth it. The, the times in the cold, you know, spending your hard-earned money, the times of frustration and heartbreak, when, when these players give back to fans, it, it makes everything worth it. So that was my whole childhood, just trying to get close to the players, trying to meet them. So I, I very much respect what, uh, what he's doing, and, and kudos to the Pacers for giving back. Yeah, absolutely, because in a lot of places, that is not the case. A lot of guys, uh, not going to call anybody out, but, man, a lot of times guys just leave and want to pay no attention to the the fans because they're they're kind of off the clock at that moment when they're leaving the stadium. But um, all of these pitchers are, you know, as you said, been great in the community, and that's one thing Whitfield said as well. He's like, I love the fact that, you know, when they read with kids and they do these charity events and um, that brings the city together, and it's just such an easy team to root for. Um, for reasons just like that. Now, where can people find this story at if they haven't read it online? Uh, they can go to IndieSportsLegends.com. It's also on my, my Twitter feed and Setting the Pace, uh, the quote tweet. 
Um, you can check it out there. And I'm sure I, I'm actually looking forward to uh, Friday night after the game being able to show Whitfield. As I told him this past week when uh, I, when I was going to do the story, I said, hey, next next Friday after New Orleans, I'm going to show you the story. So looking forward to that conversation. That'll be cool. I'll have to get up a follow, uh, follow-up conversation from you after that. So, guys, we've got about 10 minutes left here on the podcast. There's not been a whole lot to talk about uh, because we've been off for a week. So let's just make this an open discussion. Anything you guys want, let's talk about it. I'll start with you, Tyler. Anything that you want to talk about regarding this team? Hmm, let's see. How about the question of just some of the keys? You know, if they're obviously this brutal stretch coming up, um, what do the Pacers need to do uh, if they want to hold on to that three or four spot? What are some of the top things? What do you guys think? Take it, Fachi. Uh, yeah, sure. So looking at it, out of the 24 remaining games for the Pacers, 12 of them are against teams with above 500 record. Our next seven games are against teams below 500. So now's the time. I mean, after the seven-game stretch, if, if the Pacers don't finish anything better than 5-2 and two in that stretch, it's going to be really tough because, as I mentioned, those 12 teams above 500, eight of them are on the road. So now is the time. you got to hope that one guy that I really want to see how it's going to work out, Wesley Matthews. First two games of the Pacers, sure it's only two games, rough shooting. Never been a high-percentage guy. Always been a great 3-and-D player. So we got to kind of fall somewhere in the middle. You can shoot anywhere between 42 to 45%. I think we're going to be in great shape. So that's the one player who, if he can step up, I think the Pacers have a great chance at landing a three or four seed. If it's not going to work out, I, I see that five seed just kind of just kind of coming, chasing us from behind, and, and it seems inevitable. I agree with you, and one thing that I want to bring up about Wesley Matthews is now that he's gotten some time to be acclimated with his teammates, I think that he'll fit in a little bit more seamlessly. And another thing that I wanted to bring up as well, putting Tyreek back on the bench is huge for what the Pacers want to do. Um, nothing, I'm not saying anything negative about Miles Turner, but Miles Turner likes to pick and pop, and I think Tyreek benefits from having Sabonis who likes to roll. Um, you can debate on who the better screen setter is, but... I think Sabonis' ability to get to the rim helps Tyreek and it creates more space for him. With with Miles popping, you know, that was meaning Tyreek had to go to the basket almost every time. And, of course, I would rather have Miles pop because that three-point shot has been so cash recently. But, you know, Sabonis is not a great shooter, mm-hmm. so he's always looking to dive to the basket unless, he, unless they force him to pop out. And so one thing that I noticed, especially in that last game against the Bucks, was just how well they executed that pick and roll and – I, I just I'm looking forward to seeing Tyreek Evans come back after a little bit of a break, see what he can do with the second unit because I think right now our second unit is probably going to keep us in most of the games or help us you know take up our game another notch because our starters are going to have to go toe to toe against some other great starting units, but some of these bench units I think will have the advantage and I'd like to see us get um, a nice start in the thir- the second and fourth quarter with our bench units. And uh, games that we have to win because, like you mentioned, we have 13 games on the road and 11 at home. But we have 12 against teams under 500 and 12 with teams above 500. So, I mean, it's a pretty balanced schedule. You really can't be too upset about it. So, and that that's just my thing. I think that that second unit has to be more dominant. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, Tyreek with the second unit's a better thing. He is questionable, however, for Fridays. His uh, ankle still bothering him a little bit. Um, they actually said he may may get an MRI because after the break, you know, it's kind of 
little concerning to still be bothering him a little bit, but hopefully he'll feel feel better and be ready to go, um, if not Friday, pretty soon. But um, what do you guys think about Miles Turner taking the mask off? He was so good with the mask. Now he's just going to be ponytail Miles. <laughs> but that's uh, that's that's my big key, you know. Since December first, the the fifteen eight and three type guy that he's been, and you know, shooting 40, 45 or forty six percent from three during that stretch. Um, we need that from him, maybe even more. Um, continue to win with defense and depth, the two Ds. Yeah, it was kind of interesting to hear him say that he never really felt comfortable in the mask when it seemed like he was playing some of his best ball. So if he didn't feel comfortable in the mask, I, I look forward to seeing how he plays without it because, you know, Tyler, as you mentioned, I mean, he has been on fire since the start of December. So I, I just think that, hey, let the guy be comfortable. Let's see what he's got. So glad he can finally get healthy. I want to see Tyler Kevin's get healthy. And another guy, I want to see Doug McDermott be Nick Buckets and not just Doug McDermott. So it would be great <laughs> if you get it going. With 24 games remaining, hey, we can forget about everything that happened before you can turn it on right now. Yeah, and, I, and I'll be interested to see when Oladipo returns to the sidelines, if he does, um, how much of an energizer he'll be. I can see, and I can see this very uh, storyline-like, the Pacers struggle on their West Coast road trip. They come home, Victor Oladipo's there for that first game. They get rejuvenated, they win some games that they probably shouldn't win on paper. That just feels like this Pacers team, and so that's what I think will be fun to watch, too. Um, because Oladipo, man, like I was talking to some other people and recently on one of the NBA podcasts that I do, and they were kind of saying that they thought Oladipo was overhyped from last season and that they didn't really know if he was, you know, a top 15, top 25 player in the league. And I kind of, you know, I pushed back on him quite a bit and I said, well, I don't think you realize just how important Oladipo is to this team. Not necessarily just with his talent, but his just whole entire leadership role. And what he brings to this team, and so I guess I guess without Oladipo now on the court, I'm looking forward to seeing what guy really steps up. We, we've we've put it on Thad, we've pinned it on Thad to be that vocal guy, but is there another player in your mind, Tyler, that's going to step up and just be a leader for this team? Well, I'm hoping that the the two headed monster at the five spot um, will continue to play at a high level. Um, Sabonis had that one little tough stretch, but then he's been his percentage has gone way up. Um, before the break so hopefully it rejuvenated them and uh you know boyan is the guy that uh you know he's he continues i keep telling people that he continues to be better at basketball than anybody thought i mean going all the way back to when he signed the contract here and now it's like oh man i wish it was three or four years that he signed you know instead of the two um that that he initially did but i think it's kind of i'm going to answer this in a similar way as earlier where who do I want to see in the second round? Anybody. I want to see anybody because that means the Pacers made it. In the same way, who do I want to see step up for this team? You know, it's such a team-oriented um, squad that I feel like anybody on any given night steps up um, enough to get the W is, is what they're looking for. Fashi? In my mind, Darren Collison. I, I think that Darren Collison is a guy who's turned it on lately. So I, I think when Oladipo went down, Collison raised his game. So, I mean, in the month of February, short month, shooting about 55%. I mean, that's that's awesome for a guy who, in the beginning of the year, is kind of looking a little bit old and a little bit sluggish. So, I think he's elevated his game lately. I mean, I don't know how much more he can elevate it, but when Boyan has been as consistent as they come, 
it's hard to ask anymore from him. So I think a guy like Darren Collison is someone who we want to see just kind of elevate his play a little bit. And obviously if Sabonis can be the Sabonis, I mean, I guess it was just a small stretch. If he could be everything he's been and everything he's advertised to be, I think this Pacer team could be pretty as good off as they could possibly be without Oladipo. So I stick with Darren Collison as a guy I need to step up. I think fans should go re-listen to what what episode was that when we talked about hot takes? You guys remember episode three or four, something like that. I can't remember. Let me look it up while you're talking. Go ahead. And but my, I believe my hot take was Darren Collison is going to once again at some point this year prove fans wrong, and I think he's doing it. He's he's been solid. I mean, again, I don't see him as the long term guy, but you know he's he's really come through um, since that early uh, tough stretch and. Man, he's he's been huge for this team as a leader. I'm, I'm oh, looking really right has. now. His numbers are. His it's numbers episode are episode four. Sorry, Fox. Episode I didn't mean four, to cut you yeah. off. That's no, when we were no, talking no. about Corey Joseph. <laughs> Corey Joseph taking over the starting yeah. spot. <laughs> yeah, no, his numbers are never going to shock anyone. But at the same point, just his ability. I mean, that that Pelicans game where it was just big shot after big shot, ending every single run that the Pelicans went on. It's just stuff like that where when, when you need a basket. He's actually stepped up. So I applaud what Darren Collison has done. Uh, I don't think that he'll be back in the future, but for now, hey, let's let's, let's enjoy it while it lasts. Never say never, Fachi. <laughs> uh, never say never. Just just remember that um, because I never thought I would say that IU has only won one game in six weeks, but <laughs> here we are. Can't can't seem to beat anybody. Uh, got a nice win against Michigan State a couple Saturdays ago, but since then. Tyler, my man, I know this is not an IU podcast, but how disappointing of a season has this been for you uh, to cover the Hoosiers? I've been asked that a lot recently, and and the word I've been using is it's just weird. <laughs> I yeah, mean, I mean, twelve this has and been two, a and now weird. This is what happened? What? Yeah, it's such a weird season to to start twelve and two, three and zero in the conference, and then go one and eleven. I mean, but the fact. I mean, I know they've had a lot of injuries. They've been close in several games, and if a couple of them went their way, they'd still be a tournament team. So it's not like they're, you know, super far away from maybe being a decent team. But man, it's been weird to watch. Yeah, it's been weird. I'm, I've I've been a little bit negative about IU, but if you guys saw, I put out on Twitter that I will be positive about the Pacers the rest of the season. So if they get on like a six-game losing streak, I'm going to keep positive because what these guys have been doing. Um, for me to be negative would just be uh, absurd, and I don't think that's fair to the team. I want to be more like your guy from the story. You said it was Whitfield, right? Yep. Right? Yep. And we need to just sit back and applaud Nate McMillan once again for the job he's done. I know a lot of people get on him for his offense and not getting Miles involved as much as possible, but the way that their coaching staff has gone about coaching the Pacers, getting them to where they're at today, especially without Oladipo, Got to give those guys credit for putting them in the right spot. Kevin Pritchard did a great job putting the right guys together to get this team where it needs to be at. So a lot of talking from us about just things that we're excited to look forward to. I just cannot wait to be there tomorrow night to actually see them play a game again from, what is it, nine days now? Nine-day break? Mm-hmm. Yep, nine, nine days going on 30, feels like. <laughs> exactly. All right, so... Final words from you, Fachi. Any final words? Hey, yeah, let's let's do our part and be positive. And like I said, my presence will be felt on Saturday. I'm getting the Pacers a win no matter what. 
Okay, Tyler, any final words from you? Six and one is the key. Go six and one in these next seven, and they got a real shot at number three seed. Let's do it. All right, everybody, this is Setting the Pace. Make sure you give us a rating and a review on iTunes. Subscribe. Let us know what you guys think. You can check out all of our great podcasts on upandunder.net. And make sure you check out our Twitter page, Setting the Pace 3. And until next time, we will talk to you all later. Let's go, Pacer Nation. Woo! Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.